Good evening and welcome to Rugby Bits Pod, proudly brought to you by Bet.Zero.ZA. And today we're recording on a Monday, just ahead of the Springbok squad announcement for the third final and decisive test against Wales. But this pod is dedicated purely to the test match on the weekend between Springboks and Wales from Bloemfontein. We all know the result. Um, at the moment, uh, it's just Jared and myself. Uh, on Le, um, Tyler is unfortunately a little bit late. He's run into a few issues as well as ESCOM issues. But yes, um, I think we're going to probably jump straight into it. Jared, how are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm all good. Um, quite uh, pumped to talk about the game. And uh, I think we can bring a lot of positivity to the performance. And yeah, because it's been quite negative from what I've seen so far. Yeah, crazy. I think oh, I can't understand it, but we'll definitely dive deeper into that a little bit later. I'm, I'm most certainly going to have a few strong opinions on some people's other opinions. But I think, as with the, with everything with um, with the rugby rugby bits, we've got our first phase, and we launched a great one yesterday. It was our first phase of your greatest Springbok try. And we've got a couple of really, really awesome replies. Um, a lot of people were worried about, like, what was it? Was it the significance? Was it the beauty? Or, or what, what's the story? Which I really enjoy that, it, that it's open to interpretation about, about what you feel. But Derek Elberts gave us um, probably what I think it was the first answer of the day. He, he gave us three. The significance of the try, Makzolo um, Mapimpi against uh, against England in the World Cup final. Obviously, a great shot. We all loved that. I think uh, that no look pass by um, Lukanya Am was was great. Our first World Cup final try. Um, the beauty of it for Re versus the Lions. Um, that was also also Derek. Uh, the the significance of that one's also massive. And then an honourable mention was uh, Ricky January from Dunedin. Uh, against the All Blacks, there are quite a few more. We'll go through them, but Jared, I'm going to jump in on uh, with you. What uh, what what was your one? So I'll go with my honourable mention first, and um, it's one that uh, was quite significant, and it was uh, quite beautiful, and uh, it was just awesome. So it is the um, 2019 Rugby World Cup trial that Fuff the Clack scored against Japan. So I, I'm sure you remember it, Sean, but it was <laughs> a good one, yes. 30, 30 meter or 40 meter driving more right at the back of it. Um, Malcolm Marks breaks off and he offloads to Fuff. And just like any like proper rugby trial, the forwards did all the hard work for the back to take all the credits. So <laughs> um, I, I love that trial. And um, the one that gets it for me is uh, another one that Derek mentioned, but it's the 2019 Rugby World Cup final try um, from Makazole Mpimpi. It was just, it was just so brilliant how we uh, transitioned from um, defense into attack, and I love it so much. Just purely based on that pass from Lukanyo Am, like he could have scored easily and been the first Springbok to be uh, to score a Rugby World Cup uh, final try, but he was just so unselfish in giving it back to um, Makazole. The casualness of that of that try, um, how uh, Lukanya arm with the no look pass and all that was 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 quite something. I think the whole world kind of woke up to um, what uh, 
Lukanyam's all about there. I think that was when it was first showcased. It was um, it was yeah, it no. was quite interesting. I, th- I think uh, Squidge called it the most uh, the most unselfish pass in rugby history. <laughs> Just checking that one out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good shot. It's a good shot. Okay, a couple more from the Twitter. Um, Subu, um, Ricky January from Dunedin. That, that's a great shot. That got quite a lot of love, I, I must be honest. Another great one, uh, Richard Bands, his try in New Zealand, running over Carlos Spent, well, running over, picking him up, throwing him down, and then running over him. Yeah, that um, one inspired a whole generation of running props. <laughs> And 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 look where we are now. I mean, yeah. we basically have one man to thank for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, Francois Hochart versus the All Blacks from Lerato, uh, Ellis Park, twenty fourteen. Walks from deep. Uh, uh, also, uh, thinking uh, thinking about Derek Hochart, there is that I think it was against Wales in the um, in one of the Rugby World Cups where he came off shorts with that Reed Priya that Reed Priya classic short ball off the base of the scrum. Of Iraq. Yes. I, I always love those trials from Free to Priya. There was a few of them, especially from the Bulls. But uh, yeah, those were always a, a nice to watch, a real master at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so mine, and I was super surprised that it didn't get any mention um, at all, but mine is Damien Delaney against the All Blacks last year when, again, Lukanya um, picks up that ball, that no-look behind the back pass to um, Nkosi, who, um, who puts in, puts in Delendi in the corner. That was, uh, for me, was cracking, cracking. It's, it's, um, it's weird because it's so un-Springbok um, template, that try. Like, you, you could see Israel Dag or Bowden Barrett doing that. Or, remember that uh, Bowden Barrett's uh, uh, Milner Scudder um, pass that they did against the Springboks. That's a, another one that you sort of expect to come from the All Blacks. You don't really expect from the the box. But, exactly. Uh, Sean, I'll, I'll throw another one at you that uh, I was also quite surprised didn't get a mention was um, Chesson Colby's try against uh, the All Blacks in the draw in Wellington. That's um, one where we broke them down after I think it was about 14 phases, 15 phases. Then Billy LaRue and Andre Pollard got space on the blind side, gave it to Colby, chip over the top, and it was Yankees that actually scored it. Yes, yes. Yes, I remember that. That was yeah. uh, that was in 2019, wasn't it? Yes, before the World Cup. Before the World Cup. Yes, just before the World Cup. Yes, yes. I have another one. It's a little bit old. You probably weren't even alive yet, but... Van Griff, and I seem to think it was against Australia, but it was in – it was his – second or third test he just ran a freaking unbelievable line a short and line and scored a test and match then, as well yes it was against the wallabies i'm almost certain of it it was it was i i i, did, I, I don't think i was alive or if i was i was about three or four but uh <laughs> it, it is one of those ones that uh super sports pull out of the um archives every time we take on the wallabies so i know exactly which one you're talking about Yes, he was a what a cracking one. I actually completely forgot about it. And then when we did uh when we did Avanachriff's Springbok debut, um 
And that was like everyone was just like climbing on that. They're like, shit, I forgot, you know, Van der and And you, it's amazing how quickly you forget about players that make their book debuts and all that sort of stuff. But then when you see the picture of it, you see the like when it was, who it was against, and it's just like all those memories come back and everyone was just talking about that try. I actually went yeah, to go Google yeah. it, take a look at it again. It was flipping. He, he was hard, eh? And he ran some flipping good lines. No, exactly. I, I, I just yeah. another one that's uh, come to mind since we play in Wales is uh, Dwayne Vermeulen off the back of the scrum offloads to uh, Freda Priya in the corner during the 2015 yes. Rugby World Cup. Another very, yes. very big one, memorable one. And uh, yeah, after that, we had a bit of a losing streak against Wales. <laughs> we can forget about Shit, that eh? one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, on the topic of uh, of Wales and losing, and, and I won't add the word streak into that because this ain't going to be one, we're going to focus on on the weekend's game. So it's uh, the, the second test in a three-match series. Um, South Africa uh, won in the last, last kick of the game in the first test to go 1-0 up, made 14 changes to their starting lineup. Um, many South Africans thought we could take it, which I was super happy about. I quite like the optimism. I, I personally felt that we were in with a shot. I thought it would be tight. But I absolutely uh, saw what the reason behind it was, especially when Ninaba and co came out and said that this was the plan and the, the players knew about the changes. It was always going to happen. I want to test these guys in a game that matters, um, a, a series decider. And, and we went out. So for those who don't know, um, Wales beat the Springboks in Bloemfontein 13-12. Thanks to uh, Gareth Anscombe with a sensational looping skip pass out to Adams, who scored in the corner. And then Anscombe went on, went on to kick it over um, and, and, and win the test match in phenomenal fashion. But there was still some time to play afterwards where we think the box would have, would have taken it. And Jared, I know that you can run us through that a little bit later, but um, yeah, phenomenal. And, you know, just a note on, on Gareth Anscombe, it's been two years since, since he was injured. He was injured ahead of the 2019 world cup and, you know, the journey that he's had and had to endure to come back and, and do this has been amazing. And, and he went out and said that that kick going over is just the thanks to everyone that has supported him and stuck by him and helped him rehab and done everything that's needed to be done in order to get him back on the field. Yeah, it was uh, simply sensational. Like uh, you, you always, it's always tough to um, swallow a, a Springbok defeat. But uh, when some, when a story like that comes out, it's sort of, it's a little bit easier to to uh, to take in. Like I, I, I don't remember the full wording of it, but I saw another tweet that went out that uh, he's actually had like three operations on his um, foot. He's got. Uh, they took a. Um, part of a bone from a dead man and put it in that right boots of his. So, I mean, the fact that he's not only playing test rugby again, the fact that he's able to walk on that uh, leg is a miracle by the sounds of it. It's uh, very much like the situation that Peter Sleptitoy found himself in. And uh, yeah, I've always been a fan of Gareth Anscombe. I think it was gutting for me when he didn't make the um, Rugby World Cup squad because of injury. And I the way he was playing in 2018, he probably would have been a British and Irish Lion here last year. So kudos to him for coming back, fighting his way back and uh, producing at the highest level. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm going to take a little bit of responsibility for that for that Wales loss. I he was the man I picked to watch for Wales uh, ahead of the series. I thought, you know, him fighting back and coming back. That I, I thought he'd he'd need to really make a statement. And I'm also quite a big fan, but I, I wasn't expecting him to be doing that to us. But uh, on something a little bit more positive, um, with the 14 changes uh, and. I mean, knowing, obviously, looking, watching the match and in hindsight, knowing that we lost, but understanding the reasons behind it. What is the most positive aspect of the performance we saw on Saturday? You know, which, you know, which of the non, and which of the non-regulars that, that played, which were a fair whack, do you really think put their hand up? Yeah, so the first um, aspect I sort of want to look at is... Um, how our defense was able to still operate um, despite all the disruptions and changes and that kind of thing. Wales only made 100 running meters, okay? Now, Sean, wow. I, I know you, you're quite sharp with the stats and that kind of thing, but just some perspective for the listeners is Luis Rees uh, Zamet made 75 in the first test match. Wales as a whole made 100 in the second test match. So, yeah, you could put that down to Wales not firing on attack, but you have to have a bloody good defense to, to be able to produce a stat like that. Um, there was guys mm. like, uh, uh, I saw um, Scotland versus Argentina. Argentina didn't have a good game, but they still managed nearly 300 running meters in the match. So they, they didn't fire, but they almost um, tripled Wales's. Uh, running stat tally so yeah, yeah that's what that's one of the aspects that uh i really uh caught my eye um as far as players go um you can't not talk about kirtley orenter i thought he was um fantastic whether defending attacking he had an opportunity where he probably should have scored early on and i think it was his first um touch in test rugby and yeah if People are saying if it's Chesson Colby in that position, he probably scores, but uh, not everyone's Chesson Colby, unfortunately. Well, he's, um, he's, he's pretty close to it. And I'll tell you, yeah. on Kirkley Arnsa, the, the thing that stood out for me most, uh, in, in, especially in the first half, was how, how he was on defense. Well, I mean, the guys that he tackled, uh, he pretty much made all of his tackles. I think, um, I think he made nine on the day. And... Um, I'll just double check that he made. Um, he he he, he, he had a high tackle count. Yes, he had a really high tackle count. But it was who it yeah. was, and the fact that I don't think he missed one, but he stopped the guys. Yeah, so he, he made six tackles. He didn't um, miss, and the tackles that he made on were on uh, Falatau and um, Cuthbert, both guys that yeah. have a good twenty kgs, thirty kgs on him. So. Fair play to him. He had a he had a very good game, I think. Um, and then another one for me was Thomas Dutoy. I thought he was exceptional. Like um, he didn't give a he didn't give a inch at the scrums, and just around the park he was clearing guys out. His carries were hard, and he was quite accurate. Funny enough. Yeah, yeah, really good. And I, I think you know the the thing is is we had a couple of guys that kind of put their, their hand up, but we had a lot of guys that were were quiet were quiet or were not firing, but there was a lot of disruption um, and it was a little bit hard to, to get things going. And I'll tell you the one thing, it's great that you bring up the defense because 
that is such a vital part, but an extremely technical technical part, especially in the Springbok game plan. Um, and, and I thought the guys did well. The fact that we went all the way uh, was impressive. Yeah, I, I think so too. And um, I mean, it, it was seriously just a one-point game. Like, um, there's a lot of chatter about it and how um, that it's disappointing that we lost. But it's seriously a one-point um, loss. Like, if this team played against the All Blacks and we lost to the All Blacks by one point, there would be no um, discussions about it, regardless of the fact that the All Blacks aren't nearly on top of their game as they have been in recent years. So, yeah. Um, I also want to give a mention to um, Mishunu. Salah said that he was going to teach us how to get his name right. Um, <laughs> still strugg- yeah, yeah, I'm still struggling a bit. So I don't want to stuff it up too bad. But, uh, yeah, he got, he got a lot of slack for his... Um, Penalty that Wales went on to uh, capitalize on. I think that it was a bit harsh. He was rightly penalized, but I don't think you can pin the results on him. Um, outside of that, I think Alstad and Dion Free both um, put their hands up off of the bench. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Marvin Ori had a very sound game. Like, it's not one that people are going to write home about, but like, he actually complimented um, Evan Etzebeth very well. And it it does also help when you have the monster that is Peter Steph to toy back in the pack. Yeah. I, I will say something. Uh, I thought Peter Steph was a bit scratchy. Um, however, it, it's understandable considering he hasn't been playing in, in such a long time. And we all know where he's going to go. But my standout uh, player was, was actually Yabo. Yeah, sorry, man. Um, uh, you speak about Peter Steph, and I, I just spoke to you off um, offline before we started this, and I said, no, I've just watched the game back. And I also thought he was a bit scratchy, but he sort of actually faded at the end of the game, which is very unlike Peter Steph. But in the for the first 70 minutes of the match, he was outstanding. Like, he's more defense. When we get Lua Tiaga back in the pack, and we've got Lua Tiaga, even Etzebeth, Peter Steph to toy, and then Franco Morstak coming off of the bench. Our more defense is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on my play of the game, Marvin Ori was, was up there. And if you have a look at his stats and his numbers, you, you would easily, you'd easily think he was, was there and was just a passenger. But we, he was an absolute menace in the mall, um, the Welsh mall specifically, when it was on mall defense. He forced a, a turnover in one of them. Um, very handy lineouts. Like I thought he did his job. He's normally the top tackler. So he wasn't anywhere near close being the top tackler, which is something I find very interesting. And to me would have been, uh, that probably changed his role slightly because he doesn't, he doesn't have, he had a good game, but he doesn't not be the top tackler out of choice. I don't think because he's really like he's tight and he's happy just just get involved. So I'm gonna I haven't I haven't watched the game for a second time. I, I'm gonna definitely give it another watch soon as soon as we have more constant electricity. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was it was it was quite interesting. Now I was having a I was having a chat with uh, on Twitter today and we were talking about the books and and a few other things and um, one of the gents uh, well. SABC two on Twitter, we, he, he highlighted something, which I said, we were going to talk about today, but it's in line with the next question. And he wants to talk about our attacking shape and the answer at 10, which we will get on, but more specifically less predictability. Now 
on our, on the book attack, Jared, if we're still battling to score score it seems. It seems like we're not quite there in terms of of rolling it out and pushing through where we know we're going to score a try or we are looking exceptionally good. We we still seem a bit stop start. Do you think that's Something to start, obviously, with the disruptions that have happened with the bigger squad and being the second game of the of the year for us. Yeah, I, I think that uh, is sort of like a thing that we can we can look at and say, okay, we just need to think mindfully that we haven't cracked on because of um, all, all of these changes um, in the second test, and um, we we had guys faltering in to the squad for the ahead of the first test. So I wouldn't be surprised if our attack is a little bit more successful in the third test. Um, but I don't know if we'll be scoring a boatload of tries so, mm. <laughs> from, from attacking phase. Like we will, we will score a rolling more try because that's the Springboks bread and butter. And if it gives you points, you still have to go for it. But I don't think we're going to be scoring uh, like the long phases uh 10, 12 phase trials or cracking open an attack in two or three phases is going to take a little bit of time still, I think. And um, it's it's all got to do with like players getting cohesive and um, reactive to the players around them. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of times and I saw Uwem Rugby put out a good um, video on it today where like a guy like Evan Ruiz is supposed to be cleaning, I think it was on Marcel Pizzia, and instead of, or it was Andre Pollard, one of the two, and he's running on his inside. And instead of sticking on in his lane and cleaning, he sort of adjusted his angle and then went into clean. And Wales were able to slow that ball down. And to have a good a firing attack, you need to have that quick one second, two second um, rucks. And we're just not getting that at just just yet. So I think once yeah. that comes, we'll, we'll start seeing a lot more. Um, a lot more threatening um, attacking sequences, but there are. So, I, I keep on saying it. There's signs that we we getting it right. It's signs we're getting it right. I said it last year in November, last year during the rugby championship. But eventually, it has to click because it's not a bad game plan from from what I can see. It's it's really not. Well, I think in the first test, um, I think we definitely. If you have a, if you ever look at what we did with ball in hand and how we attacked in the first test, I think it showed a lot more attacking intent. Damien with uh, Delendi with the with with the nudge ahead uh, for Colby to score. Uh, everyone talks that he never passes, he never does anything, he only crashes it up. I mean that I just ignore those. Well, I'd like to think I do, but I can't all the time. But he does have a, a more advanced game, and that kind of stuff there is crazy. Normally, he would take it up, or a, or a twelve would take it up. There, the percentage is not putting the kick through. Um, it's a great shot, but it's not the percentage play. So we're definitely exposing a little bit. Now, yeah, if and, we're going to go, that that trial that you're talking about is uh, what Nienoba ch- uh, talks about when he says um, they don't attack um, in in a certain shape; they attack the space. And that's a great mm. example of it because Vili saw where the space was and got it to the man that could get it into the into the space kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, like I say, I th- uh, there really is um, sounds that it's coming right. Yeah. Okay. So there, there are two major elephants in the room. Um, 
One is, is, is the halfbacks, which we'll address after this. The second one uh, being the selections. So I'm going to go up around this backwards, but the whole selection situation, the wholesale changes um, versus blooding new players, et cetera, and there's obviously been a lot of criticism of Jacques Ninaba. Um, do you think it's justified? What, what are your thoughts on, on what happened and, and obviously now knowing the result? Yeah, I, I don't think the result was, uh, the, was too important. And uh, people berate me for saying that. But uh, the, the point, the result of the match uh, or the result of all the changes or the idea behind all the changes was to, to blood players and test players and see where they are and if they're up for test rugby. And um, I liken it to the Washington DC game that we played against Wales where we gave out... 13 um, uh, test caps and uh, yeah, we haven't seen some of those players in a Springbok jersey again a la um, Robert Dupria, Jason Jenkins might have got another test cap but he's been injured but we haven't seen him again um, I think Arvin van Sale got a test cap then I don't think we've seen him since that match but also getting their test cap during the, uh, that game was Makazole, Mapimpi, um, Oxenche, Kwaka Smith Peter Steph Detroit captain the team that day. So I think this match is a game that we will be able to look back in, back to in, I don't know, six months' time, 12 months down the line, even 18 months down the line, and we can say, yes, it was cuck to lose to Wales for the first time in South Africa, but we really got to know a lot about players from that match and if they could make the step up. And Wales is a very good team for South Africa to do that against. And I said that last week before before the test as well. They, they nitty gritty, they front up against the Springboks and they give you a real difficult challenge. Yeah, you've, you've got to fight and you've got to fight hard. And I tell you, um, I was listening to uh, a podcast today, the Master, Masters of None, the Master of None podcast, which uh, it's a, a group of Irish guys, um, got a great podcast. You need, to, you need to have a listen if you get a gap. But their, their podcast... Bearing in mind, Ireland beat New Zealand, and they spoke so much of on their day, they've got 15 players that can do it. And they just spoke about the depth, having the squad to do it on a regular basis, making those 15 players that can beat Ireland on their day a larger group of 20, 30, maybe 40 players that can rotate in and around, be involved, that can come in and when it's horses for courses. and make the beating the All Blacks or, I mean, they didn't say this, but I'm going to say like beating France or beating Springboks more, more regular. And all the, the major thing was, is that Ireland are struggling with continuity or so should I say succession planning and squad depth and players that they can call on in a time of need. So the biggest one and the easiest one to use for, for non-Irish fans or, or players or watchers of the Irish game is Johnny Sexton. Now, I, I, I listened to that today and I felt so good about what had happened this week and why it had happened. And seeing your tweets on, um, on South Africa, the Springboks versus Wales uh, in DC and all those numbers that you're putting out about the players that made their debut, are they still involved? Um, this is what they've won since. And we are getting to a point. Well, for me, the squad that, that played on Saturday, most of them are, are there and thereabouts in the World Cup squad. So they, a lot of them are, are not even dead certain to go to the World Cup. 
But what they're doing is they're there and they're in the mix. They've spent the whole time in the squad. This Now there's a very, very good chance that they'll travel um, in November. And then come the World Cup next year, if there's an emergency, you bring someone in. He's not starstruck by being um, with the Springboks for the first time ever. He's not starstruck by playing overseas for the first time ever. And he's not starstruck by being in a World Cup. Well, maybe, I mean, a few of them will. But you understand where I'm getting with this. It's all, yeah. it'll all be... Yeah. The same, the same stuff and the same way around. But what we've done and the way I look at it this weekend is essentially is Jacques Ninova has said, awesome, we're going to do this. Some of these guys will be available for the World Cup and will be putting their hand up, put pressure on other guys. But after the World Cup, I reckon we are starting to get a core of players already ready now that can start integrating in. And then we'll have a new core with some of the old, some of the new, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're in a good space. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And if you have a look at the Springbok team that we put out against Wales in the second test, it's very similar to what our our first team, our main choice is. And I, everyone sort of has um, the idea of what Jacques and Rassi want in their Springbok uh, match day 23. Like They speak about uh, building Damien Willemse up as the next Francois Stein that can plug a gap and if you look at the uh, composites of our team that played on Saturday, Apalele Fasi, everyone wants him to play fullback. But if you look at him as a player, he's a very Makazole Mapimpi player that he's actually quite good in the air. Uh, on his day, he's good in the air. He's a finisher. He's a tall winger and he's a fast winger. And then you pop over to the other side and you look at uh, Kirtley Orenser. He's a quick winger that's got amazing feet. He generally finishes off these opportunities that he gets and he makes sharp reads on defense. And we spent the first 10 minutes of the of our debrief of the spring box talking about Orange's um, defense. And then you look at a guy mm. like Jesse Creole. Nobody, not, not, he's very polarizing, but Lucania Arms, one of Lucania Arms biggest assets is his defensive work and his defensive reads and how hard he works on defense. And that's bread and butter for Jesse Creole as well. I mean, I'll take yeah, it another. I thought, I, I thought he was I'll, good. I'll take it another step further, and you look at Joseph Dweva. Generally, his line-out work is good. His ball carrying is good, and his cleaning is good. Uh, that just screams Bongi and Banambi. So mm-hmm. we've, we we building this template of this is our winning team, and these are, these guys that played on Saturday are so, sort of not just insurance policies, but they are insurance policies and guys that can press for starting starting minutes or press the starters mm. kind of thing. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about the big one. Halfbacks. I'm going to, I'll put the nines and tens, the starting nines and tens uh, into, into the limelight now. Um, last week, uh, Fuff and, and, and Elton started. Elton didn't have a good game. Um, Fuff, I, I also thought, and I mentioned it last week, I thought his kicking was a little bit average. So both of them, both of them struggled. This week, um, Hendrickson and Pollard, I thought Hendrickson, as much as I'm still not 100% convinced about him, I thought his kicking was a little bit better. But Pollard also struggled a little bit. Let's get your opinion and, and your thoughts on, on, on the 9-10 and, and, and what happened and how we're looking at the moment. Yeah, sure. No, like, if I'm going to put it uh, straight up to start off with, is uh, you, you're eating a little bit of humble pie with the, the Hendrickson uh, um, debate. <laughs> 
Um, for now, for uh, now. I, I, I'm happy to admit it. I, and mm. he is there. And I did say that he's there because he's a better kicking nine. Like he fits into what we want in terms of a kicking nine. No, um, for sure. And, and I think he did well. He struggled with his kicking. When he was at the Sharks and he came back from injury, he was even struggling with his kicking. So I got nervous because if he's there to kick and pass and he was struggling with one of those things and his pass was iffy, where everything came right. He, he played well on, 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 on Saturday. He wasn't excellent, but I thought he did a, a, a lot better than how he has been this season. So, so yeah, absolutely. He definitely deserves his, his kudos. No, for sure. I, I think um, it's, it's a remarkable to see how much of a different player he was in a Springbok jersey than he was with the Sharks jersey this year. Like, he really had an average season for the Sharks, but he, I think he stepped up. He won a nice penalty um, early on in the game, which uh, he actually worked his socks off to, to get to. He's, he's solid when he's over the ball, eh? He is, and um, I, I think it's that low sense of gravity um, kind of debate that uh, you're quite and, close and, to the ground. And his fight. Yeah. Because yeah, he's got sure. a low sense of gravity because he's, he's, he's small, but Flippy gets involved. He's like, screw this, I'm going for it. I can see it, I want to take it. So yeah, exactly. um, I was super impressed with that. He really like gets in and gets in hard, makes some good decisions there. I, I, I think he's... Um, Box kicking was pretty good as well. Like I, I don't think it was perfect, yes. but it was the improvements on last week from from Faf and uh, Faf would have been disappointed on last week's uh, performance. He w- he wouldn't have been happy at all. Um, mm. But I, I I do think that uh, he did have a few odd decisions. Um, he he often wants to attack the short side. Now I don't know if that's yes. in in our game plan or if that's uh, reactive from him. But uh, that Kurtley Orange uh, um, break, and then Ruiz cleaned up with the with the carry, and then he's sort of passing it to Kalans down a, a heavily marked blind side. So I, I thought that was odd, and he did that once or twice throughout the game. There was another stage where, um, yeah, it it actually worked out that uh, Dweber got into space, but I don't, and he he ran over bigger and bigger managed to get the turnover, but. Uh, yeah, there was there was a few odd um, decision making from him, and uh, yeah, I think we can sort of get onto the the other topic of our flower. Um, what what did you think of Paula? Let's let's throw this one on you, Sean. Jeez, eh? I'll lead you into so you can speak about it, and you're going to flip it on me. Well played. Um, I I thought I, I don't think Pollard had a good game. Um, no, I but don't either. he 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 did enough. That, that was the thing. He did enough. We expected more. If Pollard played that game in test one, instead of Yanchi's playing that game, all hell would break loose. Um, so because it's his, that performance has come off the back of Yanchi's 40 minutes last week, it almost, you know, I think everyone's like, okay, this almost looks like the lesser of two evils. So I, I didn't think he had a good game. He has been injured. He hasn't played a lot. I know that he was on the bench uh, for the semi-final and the final of the of the top fourteen and and won it with Montpellier. But he does need game time. And the thing with Pollard is it's been a it's been a, a, a long term issue for me is when he has to put in a long pass, he has to wind it up for about five ten seconds before he sends it. And when he sends it, it's a bit of a lottery. He doesn't have a hard zip flat pass. Damien Delendi's got one. Um, Damien Willems has got one. 
even Andre Este hasn't got one. So the thing is, is and that was his shoulder injury or his arm injury that he suffered a long time ago. When he came back, his passing, those long passes were never on. That is a massive concern for me, and I don't think it's going to get any better. So we need to figure out a way of, of sorting that out. Um, how are we going to manage that? I don't know. I, th- I think that has improved, but I don't think it's it's quite at the level it was. I, th- I think you've hit the it's nail on the head. It's not accurate. It's not accurate. No, so no. so that's that's my thing. Let me just you, go you, out you, and say, you, no matter what I'm saying, is is Pollard and Yanchis are going to the World Cup barring a catastrophic injury or yeah. barring someone coming in and knocking the socks off everyone for the next year. And I don't, it's going to be hard for, for Ninaba to, to drop Pollard or Yanchis because of when they are on, they're on. It's not too long ago that Pollard and Yanchis guided us to a couple of really, really good victories. Um, yeah. Whether it was against the Lions or when it was against New Zealand, but they also were both at the helm when we when we struggled against Australia. So we get a bit of um, a shit good out of both of them. The thing yeah. is, is we've got yeah. to be fair. We've got to be fair about it. Um, I have no problem with people saying someone had a bad game or whatever. But if you don't like a guy, then don't like him. But you've got to give him the kudos when he has a good game. But I no, just think sure. I'm just I'm just a bit. I'm a bit concerned at both of their form. However, both of them have very good reasons to be scratchy at the moment. Yeah. And I've always so said that the Springbok space is not where you want to be blooding players or getting them back into form, but we really kind of don't have any other option at the moment. No, we don't. And uh, one of the things that uh, really disappointed me about Pollard's performance was his um, performance under the hard ball. Like him and Dan Bigger are two of the best fly halves under the hard ball in world rugby they really are and Pollard really struggled there this weekend like Kieran Hardy had great box kicks he he really did but we made them we made them look a hell of a lot better than they actually were because we weren't as commanding in the air as we normally are and that was not just Pollard it was Kalantz as well it was um it's everyone so Jerry, do you know after and, yeah. after twenty minutes, that I think they put up four or five kicks. Do you know that they we got did everyone not back. win? Yeah, we did not win one. Now yeah. I was I was shitting. I, there's no other way <laughs> of putting it. I was just thinking to myself, this this is terrible. If we are yeah, not well, you, because Wales are basically the Springboks in disguise. That's what they do. Mm. They play our game plan, and I thought, yo, we should really be better. No, we did. We 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 really needed to be better, and yeah, I I, th- I think um Pollard had Pollard had a few um badly timed up and unders or badly weighted up and unders as well, which made it easier for mm. Wales to um sort of hit it back at us. So it, it mm. was far from a vintage Pollard performance. It it really was. There was a couple of times where he made a nice break, and there was just no support, which also comes down to the cohesion and what I spoke about earlier where guys aren't reacting um, quick enough to, to make the clear outs and that kind of thing. But often there was a, there was a break that he made in the second half that actually ended in our penalty, luckily enough, because uh, Will Rowlands went off of his feet, but Pollard was there, easy pickings. And that was, uh, came from him taking a gap when giving the pass was actually a better option. So Wales conceded the line break, but had they not given away the penalty, it would have actually been a positive line break 
uh, conceded kind of thing. Mm. And just quickly, a, a short one because we we're a bit tight on time. Um, let's say let's say we 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 cut our, our tens because of poor performances. Let's say let's say we we that knee jerk um, aside. Um, what options do we have? Going to the World Cup. Let's think of the World Cup. Oh. Let's say Pollard and Yanchis are but both become second choice. Who's your who's your first choice? How do you manage that? Yeah, I think you sort of have to look at um at this stage you you gotta look at Johan Horsen. Um Tyler spoke about him during the week that uh he's hasn't really had a lot of game time at ten. He's only just um played ten at the Bulls and played center and fullback and that kind of thing in France. But then yeah, you're starting to look at Damien Willems, uh Billy LaRue at ten. Or someone like Cave or Hunter at or um what's our under twenties captain Sasha, so that's that's uh, yeah yeah you you really start, like you don't want to go to a World Cup with a young with a young ten like that running your game, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah there's always we always got that uh, money stain break the glass uh, emergency option <laughs> emergency I'll, I'll break, never... break break in emergencies yeah yeah exactly nice. I, you never. Until he, until he retires or his son becomes a Springbok, then it's 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 always there. Yes, yes. Um, Tyler, hi. How are you? Welcome. I'm. I'm. Thank goodness for you joining us. But um, we don't have a hell of a lot of time left. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> have we fired Jacques Nienaber yet? Don't Definitely you be silly, not. mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, coming in odds. Coming in odds. I just, I just, I just have hot takes since it's 15 minutes left. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so um, we're gonna jump. I'm gonna jump straight into uh, the Welsh side of things, and I'm gonna uh, Tala. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you up straight away. So we, just, I just want to go in terms of, of of Wales, what they did well, how they managed to to do it. But before we get onto that, I, I'm just gonna plant a seed, and I do want us to discuss it. How are we not? running big boys at Dan Bigger all day. How are we not running a Visa, a Kutsia, a Ruiz at Bigger in his channel? I don't care if he's standing at 10 or 12 all day, because if you watch that guy when, when Dweber is running at him, when anyone's running at him, he jumps up high and he tackles you high if you're a big guy. That's penalties for days. I don't understand how we're not doing it. Anyway, food for thought. Tyler, where did Wells go well? Um, I think the the main thing that Wales did well was their def- was their defense and their forwards just stepping up to the Springbok forwards. And to be fair to the to the Welsh team, apart from that second half um in Joburg, they've done well to maybe not necessarily match, but they've done well to not at least get beaten by the Springbok pack most of the game. So they're holding their own in the scrums and not conceding too many scrum penalties. They're defending the lineout more really well, apart from the second half tries in the first test. They are stopping our big ball carriers. Um, in the first test, I mean, someone like Jasper Visa was getting a bit more and breaking a few more tackles. But in the second test, whoever was running at the Welsh defensive line was stopped in their tracks. Ivan Ruiz, who, of course, you know, we know how, how amazing he is in his um, tackle breaking, he was getting stopped. Marcel Kutsia was getting stopped. Ibn was getting stopped. 
And that's a big credit to someone who I thought whose test career was over, and that was Dan Lydiot. He had 18 tackles. Um, yeah, he had 18 Machine tackles, or was it 19? One of the two. But he had eight more tackles than this, the, the person with the second most tackles in the game. And he only played 65 so, yeah. minutes. Yeah, Tala, I, th- I think you've cu- you're coming in hot and uh, coming in fast, man. Dan Lydia's had an exceptional game. And I, Sean, you're asking about how we're not running down Dan Biggest Channel. I think uh, Nick Tompkins is saving that man's shoulders because he's just shooting up a- and tackling any Springbok ball carrier that comes anywhere near us. Like, I think Dan Lydia's given Nick Tompkins a bit of um, some of the, his chop tackle techniques because, damn, he's been impressive this tour. Nick Tompkins is that guy, and I know I was concerned ahead of the ahead of the, the well. I think when we Saracens were playing, it was maybe during the Six Nations, and I was like umming and eyeing about him. And 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 Tom <laughs> Tyler, when we were watching the the Six Nations, and Tom was just like, "No, Nick Tompkins is class. You've got to keep an eye on him." And and I've always liked him, but I thought he was coming out of uh, out of a bit of. Uh, if he form, he's an absolute beast. Did you see how much they played off him? towards the end of that game. They were literally, he was directing and doing everything, it seemed. He's an absolute beast. He's a machine. Um, he's got strong shoulders for a little guy, and he fights flipping hard with ball in hand when he goes into contact. And I think the nice thing about Tom Kins is he he's, he's he has so much confidence right now. He's obviously played well for Saracens. He played well in the Six Nations. So you can see how he plays, that even when the Welsh... I mean, the Welsh attack wasn't great, apart from their try in the second half. But even when the Welsh attack was going backwards after every phase, Tompkins had all the time in the world to run sideways, try to find an option, try to pop a pass to um, one of the wings or whatever to try and just get some go-forward ball. So you can see that that confidence is high. And he did well in his duel with Andres Tez and he did well with his duel with um, Damien Dialland the, the week before. And um, I think it'd be remiss for us to not talk about um, Tommy Rafael or Tommy Turnover, as he's being called now. I mean, he, he was man for that. Fantastic Tommy nickname. Tugan. It's brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, three turnovers, 12 tackles. He was just doing so well um, in just keeping the, the spring walks and, and just stopping their momentum. The one thing that I think is maybe not easy convertible for this weekend's test is... Um, the Welsh dominance um, for the high ball. So it was an area that um, Apelele Fassi and Kutli Aronsa weren't doing as well as... Um, and Andre Pollard, you missed that bit. But, and uh, Pollard. Pollard was yeah, awesome. he, had, he had a few knock-ons as well. I think it was strategic. Hey, Jared, do you think it was strategic by Tala? Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I but, just realized I mean, I'm horribly outnumbered here with two Bulls fans. It's definitely no Bulls fan. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag justice for Pollard. No, I mean the 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 the. the it's something that I thought the the line. Uh, I mean, if we go back a year ago, I thought the lines would do this a lot more and, and do it better of just targeting, you know, um, the Springboks in the air a bit more, and they did it to an extent. But I think the Welsh have been a lot more accurate with it. Kieran Hardy has been kicking every box kick pretty much well up until um, the late part of the first half. Alarzi has been great in the air. Um, and um, Cuthbert was good until he went off. And then Josh Adams, you I mean, you're not losing too much with that. So 
they they the Welsh are I mean we've said this I think every week now, but the Welsh are the Northern Hemisphere Springboks and they are able to neutralize a lot of the strengths that the Springboks have. And once that happens, I mean there's a lot of questions that we need to ask and I'm sure you guys have discussed this um, in the first part of the, the pod, but this is where the Welsh are, are 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 finding some some leverage there, and I think it shows that if a team has some weeks to prepare for us, that you can find ways to maybe um, mitigate some of the strengths in the scrum or in the rolling mall or something like that. That if you have a week or so to prepare for the Springboks' great strengths, you can at least slow it down, if not put a stop to it completely. I, I will okay. put in there that uh, we did also have our Australian referee this week and um, they they not... <laughs> no, they, seriously, they, they don't really like giving penalties away at uh, malls and um, at scrums. I mean, that last scrum of ours, it, we needed a penalty and we actually earned that penalty and we just didn't get it. Barry was uh, more inclined to um, let the game play. Let it play, yeah. 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 Shame. And it's Angus Gardner. Yeah, let's 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 not put Nick Berry on the spot again, but it is Angus Gardner that was the referee this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, still Australian. Was, <laughs> uh all tanked him with this with the same brush, eh? Um but we held that scrum long. We we held it long, waiting, 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 and we were given nothing. Um Jared, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with the final two questions for you before we go back to Tyler, how we, we pretty much know which sort of side we're going to get this weekend for the Springboks, but how are the whale, how are whales going to beat the Springboks on Saturday to win the series, which would be quite something. And what did Nienaba learn from not specifically the players, but from the game plan and how to address this week coming? Yeah, I think uh, we always talk about the Springboks not really having a plan B, which I think is a bit unfair. It's just sort of doing plan A better. But I, I think we're not going to do anything vastly different from what we did in the first two tests. I think we're just going to execute better. Um, that will be the main focus about the in the Springbok camp this week is execution, execution, execution. And yeah, I, I don't know if anyone quite forced their way into um, the Springbok squad from the second test. Maybe somebody like Thomas Dutoy. Um, I, I think uh, guys like um, Trevor Nankani maybe played his way out of a um, match day 23 don't spot. Be silly. No, seriously, he, it wasn't his day. Hey. Um, I, the, I, I and, really... you've, and you've nailed it on the head right there. It was not his day. Yeah, he's still a quality player, but when you look at our depth in the front row and you're talking about Vincent Koch and um, Franz Mohoba and Thomas Dutoy all gunning for that uh, for that for Tate jersey, like it's 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 tough, it's difficult, it's uh, tough. So yeah, we'll probably see uh, Mohoba starting and Koch on the bench. That's what I'm guessing. Um, we'll see if that changes. But uh, from Wales' perspective, I think. They'll be looking to freshen up their team. I don't think they'll do like the Springboks did with wholesale changes. I think Elwin Jones will probably come into the team for either Will Rowlands or Adam Beard, just switching that around. And I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Josh Navidi in the starting lineup. Um, I, th- I think they'll just be looking to add a little bit of freshness in their starting pack. Um, 
Dowie Lake might even get a might even get a start. Um, I just think if you go in 60 minutes against the Springbok for two tests, you need to, a little bit of change. I think I think Navidi is a great shot, and ideally Wales would have hoped that we'd be heading into Cape Town all square, and then unleash Navidi because uh, you know he's he's a little bit um, he, he hasn't really been been well he hasn't played so we haven't really seen him so I think that's a good one. Um, yeah, it, it was I, him I, that. Uh, yeah, he, he he's the man that gave Gareth Anscombe the ball. He took it straight to the line. Popped it out the back before Anscombe threw that uh, skip pass. So he yes. adds quite a um, he adds quite a Muslim. bit of uh, distribution over there. And it's not like um, you drop in one of the back rows because they've paid poorly in the first two tests. Those Walsh back rows have been immense the entire series. Like Salupi Falatau goes under the radar, but he does he does like clean up work for the Springboks. Sometimes it's not uh, great stuff. It's just clean up work, clean up work. And when their scrum's going backwards, he somehow gets that ball out and gets on the front foot. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, you, what, what do you expect from, from Wales? And, and do you think that they've got what it takes to beat us? Look, I mean, we, we know by now that it will be close. <laughs> I think that's the one thing we can all bet on. Or at the very least, it'll be close going into like deep into the second half. Yeah, I think there's this is a bit of a trap game in a way for the Springboks, and it's uh, yeah, like if if the Springboks played relatively well in the first test and then got this rest and then came back in the third test, there'd be some confidence. But now it's a not a great performance. It's compounded by a, 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 a not good performance from the second stringers. So now you know the Springboks, I, I, they will obviously play. You know they'll obviously put it all out there. And they're obviously going to probably still win but you know the the doors open there for wales and i I would differ with jared by saying i think the team might stay mostly the same just because i think the welsh players will be like number one a lot of them didn't play long into may and june because the urc teams are knocked out quite early and so they should be relatively fresh and number two this is a chance to make history so whoever's trying to downplay uh, the test win that they had in South Africa. I mean, that's, I don't think that's much of an argument, but winning a test series in South Africa, that'll be a massive achievement for the Welsh. So I think the likes of Dan Lydiat will grow an extra lung, will grow extra arms just to get, make sure that they're on the field on Saturday. Um, so I, I would expect more or less the same team. The, they have a big concern at tight head. They've lost another tight head now in their test. So is, um, Sam Wainwright going to start. He's like the third or fourth choice tight head for Saracens. And he's barely played for them. He did really well against Tutuko Mtuno. Um, doing that against Oxen Chair, that's another different story. Or Steven Kitsov. So they might have to play maybe Wynn Jones as a reserve tight head. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of shifting there. But yeah, I wouldn't be too, um, I wouldn't be too shocked if they do that. But Wales must keep it simple. And that is... Try to keep the ball in the air. Try to put pressure on um, the Springbok aerial game. Um, target Chairs and Colby like um, uh, the Lions had some relative success in doing in the first and second test. Maybe if there is a, a slight tactical change, maybe put George North on the wing um, at 11 against Colby and, and have him 
run and try and sort of use his height against Colby, for example. And then you just need to keep holding on with, um, you know, the when the Springbok big ball carriers are, are, are taking the ball to you. So that'll be tough. And obviously it's not a sustainable way of winning many test matches, but I don't see the Wales changing too much. I don't think they have really the, the tools to change too much in their game to have a more dynamic game. But maybe someone, if you do play someone like Josh Navidi, he's a much better ball carrier than someone like Dan Lydiot. So that might add more dy- dynamism to the game. And yeah, if Alan Wynn Jones comes on, he might tr- find another way to get a yellow card in the third test. Yes, he, he hasn't. Uh, I saw a great bit of information. I think it was Squidge that put it out about how few yellow cards he's got in his throughout his career. Um, and uh, he's got, uh, he's, he's been racking them up in South Africa. Um, quickly, Jared, can you score, score us result and score for Saturday and then tell a result and score for, just before we wrap up? Uh, I think it will be another half scoring one. Um, potentially so I don't know 33-29 to the Springboks something like that that's quite something eh Tyler yeah oh that's way too high for Cape Town Jared I'm just trying to double check the weather live as I'm sort of stalling a little bit um, it looks it's like be it's cold be... I'm taking I'm taking all my beanies bro. it's gonna be <laughs> shame so, apparently speaking... they... I, yeah, sorry, I forgot that we. Pl- I, I forgot we playing at uh, Cape Town. So one thing that will play in Wales's favour is that Scrum. that pitch is not made for scrummaging. So yep. that is a big plus for for Wales, and uh, the Springboks will be looking to get a technical dominance there more than a driving dominance. If they can get both, great. But uh, they will be looking to be te- uh, technically better than both than Wales. Tyler, yeah. result and score. So yeah, I think those factors, I would say like 1917 Springboks, like lots of penalties, one try each, maybe we win by, uh, oh, now I'm trusting our kick, our kicking to, to, to be accurate, our goal kicking. But yeah, 1917 Springboks will win. Okay. Okay. Well, that's massive. Um, Springboks, uh, first time in three or no, I lie in five years or four years that they haven't scored a try in a test match. So the first time since, um, before Russi Rasmus took over, which is, which is quite something, but that's going to wrap up today. Um, when we talk about the Springboks, uh, we're hoping to bring you a, another podcast where we chat about the the rest of the, the tests that happened this weekend. Um, massive thanks to Beto Sierra today for the continued support. Um, Jared, Tyler, Jens, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and thanks for listening in. Please uh, share with your friends, your family, anyone that will listen. <laughs> Tala. The um that's that's it that's a wrap and uh, have a great week we'll we'll see you all on Saturday